2: what is going on everybody and welcome back to the tuesday edition of the stochastic nhl strategy show i'm your host josh harris we are back in our normal time slot today i like lives before lock they just you know when you're used to going at 2 p.m eastern you switch up to 5 p.m eastern kind of throws your whole day into whack or day out of whack we're, I'm out of whack.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think it throws it out of whack. That was, yeah. putting it into whack would be like, oh well, this is really nice. This is just part of my normal routine today.
2: Yeah, yeah. we're off to a rip roaring start. Joining me as always, our resident Canadians Tan Slim Cliffy. How are you, doing, Cliffy?
1: Oh, not too bad. Um, we had three straight days of freezing rain, and we had, haven't. We're not getting that today, so I mean that's one step in the right direction. Um, pretty fun slate of games last night depending who you played Um, if you played Pittsburgh specifically certain players specifically the top six um, you probably did well Um, I managed uh, a mid cash last night mercifully despite not having Zucker um, or Rust in my lineups I hear you did a little bit better than I did last night how'd you do
2: yeah I did pretty well I went out for Mexican food after my sombrero show. Taco Monday.
1: Monday.
2: Yeah. Taco Monday. Monday. I'm I'm starting a trend. Um, Came home right as Jake Gensel uh, scored the OT winner. Logged in. I was winning every GPP I was in, which is the 333 and down. (laughs) Ended up not doing that well. I mean, like it ended up, I finished second in the 333, top 20 in the 15. Made. 15x by entry fees but like you josh stacked the penguins i josh stacked the penguins we got out josh stacked by our pal paul goodman who chopped the 15 and the five whether you like him you hate him you have no opinion on the matter he is one of the best dfs players out there so congrats to you uh, i see in our chat finished second in the nfl 150 for 20k sunday congrats to you germ so he's going to try out the $400 NHL contest tonight at DraftKings. Finally, we get uh, some good GPPs on DraftKings today for this slate. Uh, Eight-game slate feels like everyone's back-to-back. There are a ton of smash spots here. Um, James hates them. That's fine. You know, he's an acquired taste uh, like Chilean sea bass. I don't even know if, that's, if you acquire that taste. But
1: I, 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 Does Chile have sea bass? I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not big on – I'm not up on my Chilean cuisine, let's say. They do have sea bass. and I Canada. mean, it makes sense. It's coastal country, but I just yeah. didn't know if sea bass was regional there. The it more you know, well. I learn something new every day. Yeah.
2: And it pairs well with a 99 Bordeaux. But <laughs> anyway <laughs> – um, I completely forgot what I was talking about. We have an eight-game slate tonight. Uh, so congrats to Mr. G and anyone else who had a good night last night. This this slate is annoying from this standpoint. Almost every game a team is in a smash spot. But there's so many teams back-to-back, a lot of back-to-back on the roads not much concentrated ownership, so if you're playing one to three lineups tonight, it's going to be really difficult to hone in on which stack you want to play. So hopefully, we can navigate y'all through it. So let's get into it. Before you do, you know the drill. Give us a like and subscribe so you keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Don't forget, almost all of our content is available in podcast form on the platform of your choice except for live before locks. Help us out by leaving a five-star review. Shout out to Prize Picks who sponsors this show. We'll have a nice offer from them a little bit later. Let's get into the slate, shall we? Florida Panthers with a 2.9 total heading into Toronto. The Maple Leafs have a 3.7 total. Sergey Bobrovsky is probable. Matt Murray confirmed. Toronto Leafs going with... Status quo on the lines there. Nylander, Bunting, Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Yankrock. Same deal for the Panthers. Lundell, Barkov, Reinhardt, Kachuk, Bennett, Verhage. Now, of the really, really good spots, the Leafs are in one of them, but they are getting a lot of ownership compared to some of the other teams. In these really good spots, uh, Panthers are back to back on the road. They beat the Sabres yesterday. You see Matthews projected over 25%. I think that's the highest projected player on the slate. This is a really good spot. Like I I just like Lundell Barkov, Reinhardt seems like a pretty good line. Matthews, Nylander bumping had a longer sample of being better. And I was I was thinking on this slate, I was like, oh, you know, the Leafs aren't great defensively. You never know what Matt Murray is going to show up. So maybe I'll avoid the Matthews line and go, you know, Kachuk, Bennett, Verhage. They're getting no ownership. But then you look at Tavares, Marner, and Yarncroft's defensive numbers, you're like, well, nah, because they're really expensive on the road. So, like, Panthers do have a 2.9 total on the road, which is nothing to sneeze at. It, there's just nothing I don't think that I want to prioritize at least on the Panther side in one to three on the leaf side, that top line is not a very good spot. It's just a question of whether you want to use them or the, up, like the other nine lines in the smash slots tonight.
1: Yeah. It, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned um, all, you know, the teams that are in smash spots. Um, I'm just going to bring up our top stacks tool real quick. Um, it shows, you know, top two stack probability, ownership, leverage for each site. There are four lines over 20K tonight on DraftKings that are all 23% to 32% top two stack probability, and no other line is double digits. Like, there's a clear delineation. Um, Even if you look over on FanDuel, it's the same thing. There's a clear delineation between the Winnipeg, Buffalo, Edmonton, and Toronto top lines and everybody else. And that includes the Minnesota top line, which sometimes would kind of be included in this conversation, but it's not really a great matchup for for tonight we'll get to them in a second for this Toronto Florida one when I see ownership like this on Toronto what it makes you do is automatically look at the other side um, I've watched a lot I've watched hockey long enough to know that when the Toronto Maple Leafs are in a really good smash spot particularly at home Um, not necessarily always going to come through Uh, we just have to look back to that Arizona loss earlier this season Um, uh, that you know that's not indicative of anything over a long stretch but Oh, sometimes
2: um, they play down to their competition.
1: Yeah, that is that is one good point. And the reason I wanted to look at Florida is because that second line has been so good for the Panthers. Um, you were talking about Verhage, Bennett, and Kachuk being one of the lines that you might consider. Like, I think with pretty good reason. Like, they're approaching 150 minutes together at 5-on-5. Five five. 4.3 expected goals, 4 per 60 minutes, 3.8 actual goals scored. Like, I think the league average for five-on-five goals is at about 2.6. They're scoring 3.8, and they're doing that shooting league average 8.5%. Like, if this was a line shooting like 10 to 11% or something, they'd just be off the charts offensively. As they are, they're still borderline elite. Um, But as you mentioned, going into that Toronto 2 matchup, they had been really, really good defensively. As I mentioned on yesterday's show, something I like to do with lines – new lines that we've never really seen before get put together, like Yarncroft being put with Tavares back at like, I don't know what it was, middle December or whatever, early December. Um, I like to kind of keep track of their progress to make sure that we're not getting fooled by, you know, a small 50 or 60 minute sample. So I look at what they've done since Christmas, 85 minutes together since Christmas, 1.7 expected goals against. That's just outstanding defensive numbers. Um, Three and a half actual goals against because – for anybody that's not paying attention to the NHL super closely, the Leafs goaltending has absolutely fallen apart over the last month. Um
2: three seasons.
1: Um, that is when he, towards the, yeah, towards the Panther side is the Leafs goaltending are straight up just leafing. Um, you know, their bottom 10, uh five on five save percentage um over the last six weeks. Um, if you look on the penalty kill, like they're just outside the bottom ten. So like this. Their goaltending duo, Samsonoff and Murray, just haven't been good, um, basically for a month plus now. Um, so it does make me kind of want to lean to that Florida second line because I like I do think Verhage, Bennett, and Kachuk are the second best line in this game. It just it it just feels bad only getting one guy on the power play. Not that this is a tremendous power play spot, but like I said, the Toronto penalty kill, their goaltending sp- specifically. Has really been struggling for the last several weeks. Seems like it would be at least a moderate power play spot for Florida, but you only get Kachuk on the top power play unit. And that's that kind of is kind of what's dragging me away. But you look at their ownership, 0.4% um, over on FanDuel, like absolutely nothing for that line. Um just checking over on DraftKings, they're at 0.9%. So basically the same because you can't fit them in with those big four lines. Um, So anybody that wants to play Florida two can't play those lines. And a lot of people will be playing one of those four big lines. So like if, if there is that big $20 contest on DK tonight, like if you have a hundred tickets or whatever, or a hundred entries, or if you're playing in a smaller contest and you know, you're maybe you're playing the mini max and you're putting in 75 lineups or something like that, I would probably get a couple Florida twos in there. Because they have been really, really, really good together. Um, It's just a tough matchup going up against uh, Tavares, uh, Marner, and Yarncroft. On the Toronto side, I'm not really sure how tough that Florida top-line matchup it it really is. Like, Anton Lundell is just not having a good season. like There's just no way around it. Um, I was looking at his expected goals impacts up slightly from last year. But it's all on the defensive side. His offensive metrics are absolutely terrible. Um, and the thing with offensive metrics is that if you're terrible offensively, you're probably going to be turning the puck over pretty quickly to the opponent and having them come back in your end. So even as good as you are defensively, if you're constantly just, you know, giving the puck, turning the puck over and giving it to the opponent, it could make for a long night. So I don't think it's really that bad of a matchup uh, for um, for that top line of Toronto. I will say their numbers have fallen off again. I was looking since Christmas three and a half expected goals for 2.7 actual goals shooting 7%. Now you'd expect them to shoot closer to 10%. Um, and that would that would bring their goal rate back up to pretty much an elite number. Um, but it, it has been a little bit of a slump. Austin Matthews only 33 shots in his last 10 games. That'd be a good mark for most players. It's a bad mark for him. In fact, he has fewer shots than William Nylander does in his last 10 games. So, um, I think it's fine to play Toronto 1 here, especially when you consider Alex Leon might be in net for Florida because Sergey Bobrovsky went yesterday and Spencer Knight is still hurt. Like, this might be an AHL goalie going up against the Leafs, which also might make me want to play the AHL goalie because that feels like a, a matchup the Leafs would definitely lose. Um, but,
2: driver, even.
1: Yeah, but it is a tremendous matchup for that Toronto top line. Uh, tremendous matchup for the power play. Florida is one of the most penalized teams in the league at 3.7 uh, times shorthand per game. Like they're just a shade behind Arizona in that regard. So I have absolutely no problem playing Toronto one here, but where there are so many other really great lines on the slate, I think there is reason to fade them at what could be 20% plus ownership.
2: Yeah. It's that's the that's- issue I'm having with the Leafs is ownership. If they were like 12%. I think I'd be more like I'd be more apt to play them like they have a massive projection for like 42 points plus. Another downside to the Leafs is they took Bunting off the top power play unit, put Morgan Riley on. Bunting does see some power play one time, but not as much as he was when they're running five forwards. So, you know, decisions, decisions. But I, I do think they are in a very good spot with the Florida team back to back on the road, who aren't very good defensively. Let's get into the next game here. The Winnipeg Jets with a 3.6 total. Heading into Montreal, the Canadiens have a 2.4 total. Connor Sam Samwell, Dikembe, Montembeau confirmed. Habs mixing up their lines for whatever reason. Uh, Suzuki is now centering Joel Armia and Cole Caulfield. Kirby Dock is now centering, centering Josh Anderson and Michael Uh-oh. Hoffman. Yeah. Oh, wait, you no, were, sorry. Drew Renn is up on the top line.
1: No, it's Jesse Alonen on the top line. It looks like, at least that's what they ran this morning. They put three guys on the injured reserve, Armia okay. being one of them. you uh, being another. And I think Michael Pizzetta was the third. So Montreal might actually be going 11 7 tonight um, because Mike, Mike Matheson is back in the lineup for them. Um, so. I, I think Jesse alone had skated on the top line today, but he might be a healthy scratch in which case they're just going to double shift Caulfield and Suzuki and just run a whole bunch of w- different wingers. up. Oh, on the top yeah. line.
2: That's what it was. They ran the three bottom sick. They ran the second, third and fourth lines and they just had Suzuki and Caulfield together, which yeah. they're going to double shift the absolute living, you know what out of them.
1: Like I think Suzuki could see close to 25 minutes here tonight. Yeah. Cause they, but it might not be good minutes because I think he just gets a lot more on the PK, not necessarily power play or anything like that. Like, he's not replacing Michael Bazzetta on the power play. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but that means, you know, Kirby Doc will be centering another line, which is bad news for Montreal because when Montreal doesn't have Doc with Suzuki and Caulfield their defensive numbers on that top line, take a hit, and this is a very, very – very good, Winnipeg top line coming into town. Ealers, Dubois, Connor. Ealers seeing top power play time. That's what we've been clamoring for for the past like what feels like thirty eight years. Um, he's been electric. He's up to seventy six hundred on DraftKings now because he gets that power play time. Like last year, he was always in that like high fives, low sixes because he never saw the top power play time. Now he's just ho humming along with Dubois and Connor. This is. Arguably the best power play spot on the night. Uh, they're not getting a much ownership. Talk me in or out of Winnipeg one here.
1: Well, it's going to be tough for me to talk you out of them. Cause I did write up Kyle Connor um, today um, for uh, the picks article. Um, free to read for anybody. You don't have to be a stochastic subscriber or anything. Just head on over to stochastic.com, go to the NHL section and you should see my article on the main page. Um, you know, Six games since Ealers return. Kyle Connor's got five goals and nine points. Um, in 105 minutes together um this season with Connor and Ealers on the ice, 4.1 expected goals, 4.6 actual goals, just completely dominant offensively at five on five. Obviously, Montreal doesn't really have a line that can stop them. Like if they were fully healthy. And they could, and Joel Armia wasn't playing like he has been for the first half of the season. Like maybe like an Armia-Dvorak-Gallagher line or something like that could kind of slow them down. But Gallagher's hurt, Armia's hurt, Dvorak has no help to go alongside him. There's no defensive matchup of concern on the Montreal side. So it's just a matter of whether you want to play Winnipeg or not. Um, The Winnipeg top line, as I mentioned, has been on an absolute tear uh, since Ehlers returned. I mean, it's been everybody, right? Like Ehlers has a bunch of multi-point games. Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think, has eight points, four goals and three goals and eight points in those games, averaging four shots a game. Kyle connor has got nine points in six games. Like, it it just goes to show what a difference one player certainly can make on a line. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a pretty good player, but I think, you know, Ehlers and Connor kind of on a different level offensively. Um, It just really, really helps um, how good that top line can be. Um,
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to first choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious
0: prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by
1: law. 18 plus. and conditions apply. See website for details. Their matchup going into Montreal, like it's great at 5-on-5. Five five. There's no concern. Like I said, no concern about a defensive matchup. And Montreal has been taking a ton of penalties. Um, they've climbed all the way up took fourth in the league in time shorthanded per game, only Arizona, Florida, and Edmonton above them. You know, this was a team that was, like, in the middle of the pack five, six weeks ago. they have really starting to play undisciplined. And obviously the penalty kill, uh, not very good either, um, you know, ranking in the bottom 10 by shots against, bottom five, bottom six by goals against over the last six weeks. It's just a great matchup at all strengths for that Winnipeg top line. The problem is this. It's not necessarily the cost. I think 22,200 is pretty reasonable, pretty fair for what they've done and this matchup. It's Mark Scheifele, right? Um, Shifley plays with them on the top power play unit. Um, Shifley plays at the end of the game. So, like, if this is a 6-4 game or something and Montreal has the empty net, it's going to be Scheifele on the ice, probably not Ehlers. You know what I mean? So just making a bunch of Winnipeg jet stacks and leaving Shifley out of it. it, it like I, I, I certainly can see how Winnipeg one gets there on their own and Shifley doesn't do a whole lot. Like you're, you're going to see that, you know, just look at, at Pittsburgh with Crosby and Malkin, right? Like sometimes Malkin has a great night. Sometimes Crosby has a great night. Sometimes it's both together. Um, But it's not that, you know, that's, it's not always the case. They both go off on the same night. So, um, You know, I I think if you're playing a bunch of lineups, you are definitely going to want to have a few that are Ehlers, Shifley, um, and Connor because they do play on the power play together. You'll get that power play correlation, which is important for this matchup. And you'll also get Shifley out at the end of games. Um, You know, Winnipeg's the king of empty nighters, man. Uh, This is something that we brought up a lot on these shows. So uh, making sure if you have a ton of lineups, to make sure you get Shifley in a few of them, um, if you're only playing like one or two, and you have Winnipeg in them, then it really comes down to decision time. What you want to do at that center position? Like, I don't think there's a straight right answer either way, because um, ownership isn't isn't a concern here, right? It's not like this is going to be a 25% owned line like Toronto might be. Um, this could come in; these guys could come in under 10%. So it's not a huge ownership concern. It's just a, a fact that there will be nights. Um, where Mark Scheifele gets in on a lot of the power play scoring along with Connor and Ehlers, and you're going to want him. So just be aware of that. If you want to play the Winnipeg second line, I think that's perfectly fine. Um, they're coming in a little bit over owned, but not greatly. And if you assume that um, they're not going to see a ton of Caulfield and Suzuki, they should run over the depths. But, you know, Kirby Dock has been arguably Montreal's best defensive forward this year. So that might make it a little bit of a tougher matchup for that Winnipeg second line if that indeed ends up being the matchup. So honestly, I would just go to Winnipeg one, find a way to maybe get um, Shifley in some lineups if you're playing a lot of lineups here tonight. But it's Winnipeg one that I like the best. I'm finding it like pretty reasonable just to get a bunch of like one-off Cole Caulfield in lineups here tonight. Um, It seems pretty reasonable that him and Suzuki are going to have to play a lot if they go, definitely if they go 11-7. Um, so if you want to two-man them, I think that's definitely in play. Just one off, off in Cole Caulfield. I think that's fine. Um, uh, we'll talk about defensemen at the end of the game, but Mike Matheson's back uh, for Montreal. And before he was injured, um, he was on the top power play unit, not Jonathan Drouin, because I think Drouin was out at the same time. So we don't know what's going to happen there, whether Dvorak gets booted and Matheson on, or Drouin gets booted and Matheson on, or Matheson just doesn't go back to the power play. We don't know what's going to happen, but... Just keep in mind that if you're playing some depth halves here, like somebody like Dvorak or Drew might not get on the power play here in this game. Yeah, not that it matters; it's not a good power play spot for them, and they have a bad power play anyways. But just keep that in mind.
2: Yeah, always the more info, the better. And uh, a note uh, to add on to the uh, like the end of the game, if it is a close game, if you think it's going to be a close game, Winnipeg's played a couple of close games the past week. They played; they won two one in Arizona against Arizona. Arizona had the empty net for like two and a half minutes and Shifley Wheeler and Adam Lowry were out there for basically the whole two and a half minutes. So you're not going to see Winnipeg one out there with the empty net. It's going to be Shifley and Wheeler. Like it's going to be. So if you think it's going to be a close game, you know, and you're making a lot of lineups, I do agree with Cliffy there adding in Shifley or swapping him for Dubois, but like, If this was a showdown slate, I'd probably build as Winnipeg might run them over. But, you know, just keep that in mind. If you're building a ton, I would have some Shifley in there. Just, you know, no one hits the empty net more than when you're fading Mark Shifley. It's science. Let's get to the Soaker Bowl. Anaheim Ducks with a 2.5 total. Heading into Philadelphia, the Flyers have a 3.5 total. Both these teams are (laughs) back-to-back. Anthony Stellars, Samuel Urson, uh, probable. Could be Carter Hart, but, you know, Tort's not a notorious back to back guy. Oh, did, wait, maybe the Flyers, did they play yesterday? There were so many games yesterday. Yeah, so, no, they yeah. played yeah, they
1: yesterday. Did. Carter Hart started yesterday. Yeah. Carter Hart got uh, his brains beat in yesterday. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's right. Um,
1: I think he got pulled halfway through the game, too. So, you know, maybe they go back to him. It is, like, a pretty soft matchup for him. You know what I mean? Something to watch for at warmups. Yeah. <sighs> uh, but, I, honestly, I'll say this. I don't know if it changes much. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I wrote about Carter Hurt um, for Seasonal Fantasy Hockey last night. His last 22 starts or something like that, I think 22 appearances or 22 starts, one or the other, it's like an 890 save percentage. Since, like, the second week of November, this guy's been bad. Yeah, it's, it's just, just a, bad. Yeah. So
2: yeah, and plus, the, plus the Flyers goalies are eighty five hundred today on DraftKings, so <laughs> that's gonna be an absolute no for me, Bob. Uh, Anaheim Ducks going back with McTavish, Terry, Henrique As far as we know, they're not getting too much ownership. Like this is a good, pretty good five on five matchup. It's actually not the best power play matchup. Like the Ducks' power play is okay. Flyers penalty kill okay to decent. So like. I would play them for the five-on-five matchup because there isn't a matchup I really would worry about with the Flyers. So I don't mind that. Like, I, And then, you know, who knows what – you mentioned how bad the Ducks are without, you know, that top line on the ice. And you look at Travis Konechny, he is really, really expensive on DraftKings now, but he has been amazing this season. I still think he's a good
1: one-off tonight. The thing with the Flyers is this, is they got their brains beat in by Boston yesterday, 6-0. And they just took a hatchet to their lineups. Um, They started with, uh, you know, Lawton and Hayes and Allison playing on their normal lines. By the third period, um, Hayes had been moved out to play to the second line to play with Konechny and Cates. Um, Allison and Lawton were playing with James Van Riemsdyk. Um, You would think that that would be where it stopped, but guess what? It's not. Um, After that, Allison goes to play with um, Van Riemsdyk and um, Noah Cates. And then uh, Kevin Hayes moves back to the top line to play with Frost and Tippick. Kevin Hayes played on three different lines yesterday.
2: Torts is torting. Uh,
1: it's a problem. It's a. At least I'll say this: is that it's a seven o'clock Eastern start, right? So we're gonna know what the Philly lineup is once warmups hit. It's just what the actual lines are. I don't know because Torts just went into Boston and watched his team get absolutely destroyed by the Bruins, and he, like I said, he just blew up his lines for the final thirty minutes of the game. I don't know what he's going to do in this one, right? So we're going to have to see what, what the lines look up, look like when warm-ups hit. What I will say is that Frost and Tippett did stay together, I think, basically the entire game, which is something to hang our hats on. Um, they have played together a fair bit this year. They're up to over 260 minutes at five, on five. with Good offensive numbers, 2.8 expected goals for, 3.2 actual goals for, or 2.5 expected goals, sorry, and and 3.2 actual goals for. So they've been generating and producing offensively. Um, Defensively, a pretty big mess. Uh, 4.4 actual goals against. I think a lot of that is the goaltending that we talked about earlier. Um, It really hasn't been that good for two months plus now. Um, But, you know, Owen Tippett, 28 shots in his last 10 games, even though he doesn't always get... Uh, prime power play minutes he's still shooting a lot or a reasonable bu- amount anyway um you know both are uh frost stayed on the top power play unit which I think is probably um something worth mentioning here um he did stay with Hayes and Van Riemsdyk I, I mean whichever power play you want to call the top power play I don't even know which one is is the top one anymore I have a hard time believing that. a a power play with Scott Lawton on it is the top power play unit Uh,
2: you just never know
1: yeah exactly so um you know you're getting power play time from both of them they're fine they're fine to play but it's tough to recommend what you want to play on the Flyers when you don't know what the Flyers lineup is going to be and it is a tremendous spot um obviously with Anaheim in town um Pittsburgh didn't look very good yesterday against that team but that's a rarity. That's not a common occurrence. And Pittsburgh still ended up, you know, winning GPPs uh, even when they were playing pretty poorly. So uh, that just kind of shows the upside that that this matchup has. It's just I don't know what to play um, if we don't know what the lines are. It, that's just kind of the way it is. And if he's been with Kevin Hayes, they actually haven't been that good together. Um, he did play a few shifts with Hayes in the second half of the game yesterday on the season, 2.3 expected goals for 2.7 actual goals, like for a line with Travis connecting that having such a marvelous offensive season to be scoring at about a league average rate, that's just not acceptable. So if Hayes and connecting are together, I'll probably pass on that and just go play, you know, wherever James Van Reamsteenke is playing. But honestly, I, I just don't know what to say. We don't know what the lineup is going to be. It, it was just an absolute disaster in the second half of that game yesterday. So, I mean, for now, I'll say just, you know, play whatever line Travis Konechny's on because he's their best offensive player. But, you know, maybe it's Scott Lawton and, and Noah Cates that he lines up with in warm-ups, right? Like, we just we just don't know. It, it feels bad to say, but I don't have a better answer than that right now. It's just play whatever line Travis Konechny plays on. Um, on the Anaheim side, you know, Henrik McTavish, Terry, uh, not very good defensively. In fact, very bad defensively. 4.5 expected goals against in 65 minutes since Christmas.
2: Might be their best defensive line.
1: <laughs> that's the problem is that the strong, the Strom, Zegers line, um, actually a little bit better um, with Comtois there. Not really a lot better. Um, but at least the top line, 2.8 expected goals for that's above league average. Um, they, looked fine yesterday in the little bit that I saw uh, against Pittsburgh. They are fully correlated on the top power play, not really a good power play spot though. Um, The flyers still the lowest um, shots against per 60 minutes in the league on the penalty kill over their last 20 games. And it's not even close. Like they're they're, they're clearing the next closest team by like 10%. It's a pretty big gap. Um, and like they don't take a ton of penalties either, two point nine times shorthanded per game. I like the Flyers side here. It's just we don't know what the lineups are going to be, so people are going to have to pay attention to warm ups. For now, I'll just say play Travis Konechny. on the Anaheim side. It's it, like it's top liner bust. Uh, like I can't imagine Frank Vatrano ja- and Jacob Silverberg are going to break the slate here tonight.
2: If I can hope for one thing from this game with Torts behind the Flyers bench. Is Trevor Zeger scoring a Michigan-style goal, and just watching torch just melt? That would would
1: be perfect. That would be absolute perfection.
2: But this this game is an absolute festival. If you are interested in sports betting and Stochastic Plus Platinum, we can get you a first bet insurance up to a thousand and two months of Stochastic Plus Platinum for free uh, if you. Sign up, make a deposit, make your first paid wager, bet MGM. Uh, news here, the no-brainer deal expires in Ohio, Maryland, Illinois, Kansas, and Louisiana on January 20th, which is Friday. And these offers aren't likely to come back anytime soon. So if you are in those states, take advantage of this now. You only have three days left. The link is in the description. Click that bad boy. Follow the steps. Uh, it's fairly simple. It's actually really simple. You need a stochastic membership, which is free to make. If you don't have one, sign up at BetMGM, place your wager. You'll get an email uh, from BetMGM, how to get your two free months stochastic plus platinum. And remember, the legal age for for gambling in most states is 21 plus. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's move on to the next game here, which seems to be going overlooked but we'll talk about it anyway. Minnesota Wild with a 3.1 total heading into Washington. The Capitals have a 2.9 total. Capitals played yesterday. So Charlie Lindgren probable there. Philip Gustafson confirmed. I don't know. Like Peter LaVellette finally went back to a vetchkin strom and then broke them up in the game. They're going to be like, if they're together, I maybe have some interest there because they're going to avoid the Joe Erickson line But again, like Gaudreau, Baldy Hartman, good defensively. Kaprazov, Zuccaro, Steele, like have been slipping defensively, but they're still very good offensively. So at best you'll be trading chances. And that reflects, that kind of reflects in the Capitals ownership. There isn't any. So that's an MME there on the flip side, like Capitals are a pretty good defensive team. Charlie Lindgren has had a surprisingly good season. So I don't know. Like, yeah, this game's going overlooked and ownership-wise because it just feels like you need, you know, you're not going to prioritize anything. But, you know, there are a couple lines that I think that I would use if I was 20 to 150 maxing.
1: Yeah, I, I like, did, Ovechkin did play on different lines yesterday throughout the game, but I think that was just a function of Nick Dowd being hurt so early. Like, Nick Dowd got hurt in, like, his second shift. So I think Ovechkin ended up taking some shifts with the fourth line just to kind of even things out a little bit. So I'm assuming Strom, and Ovechkin is going to be the line because it stayed together most of the game and they ended up winning. So, you know, I got to assume that they're going to leave that line together. And as we mentioned yesterday, they have finally started scoring their last four weeks, 3.1 expected goals, 3.1 actual goals per 60 minutes. The actual goal scored not a lead or anything, but certainly a lot better than what they were doing um, earlier in the season the problem is, is besides Ovechkin the rest of the line just hasn't been doing a whole lot lately Dylan Strom has four shots in his last five games Connor Sheary has four shots in his last five games um you know with uh, all the returning players Dylan Strom's been pushed to the second power play unit so you don't even get the power play correlation between Ovechkin and Strom anymore so I I'm not super stoked on stacking that top Washington line um, for this reason is that I if doubt is hurt, maybe it changes the way they attack, but they sometimes do like to use their third and fourth lines as a shutdown line.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan. But you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com/renew to learn more.
2: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
0: Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the
2: weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: I never win and tell.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: They'll be going out against uh, the Kaprazov-Zuccarello line. That would leave Ovechkin against the other two lines uh, for Minnesota. and. Bad news right
2: there.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Hartman line uh with Boldy and Godro, 1.8 expected goals against 1.7 actual goals against their minutes together. Obviously, the Erickson Eck line is elite defensively. I think this might be a situation where a coach Galaxy brains himself into putting his top line into a worse matchup.
2: I mean Lava will, he's not he's not that sharp. So
1: <laughs> so I, like, I'm not super excited about playing Washington. I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm going to stack the top line. Uh, Ovechkin is always, always, always in play um, as a one-off. We said that yesterday. Like, he didn't even have a good game yesterday, and he had an assist with a shot bonus, which isn't, like, a great DFS score. But, like, in, in an off game with a bad effort against Ilya Sorokin, he still put up, like, 16 DK points. So, like, um, like there is a lot of upside uh, with Ovechkin, obviously. Um we don't really have a huge sample with the rest of the lines. Um, Obviously with uh, you know, Anthony Mantha has been a scratch at times. TGO. She's been hurt a lot. Backstrom and Wilson just came back to the lineup, but uh, Kuznetsov and Mantha have generally played reasonably well together this season. They've been scoring as well. Lately two and a half expected goals for in their last 80 minutes together. Um, 3.7 actual goals scored. Everybody on that uh, kuznetsov oshi mantha line played between 17 and 18 minutes yesterday kuznetsov and oshi are on the top power play unit and mantha's played uh at least 17 minutes in back-to-back games now this might be turning into the team's new second line kuznetsov oshi and mantha and like i said you get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit like there's not going to be much ownership on them i think this is Kuznetsov, Oshimanta is one of those fillery type stacks that I wouldn't mind using here today, um, if you're not going to, you know, pay up for the big uh, furrow Ovechkin in the expense of Washington um, guys. So don't mind them as a fillery type stack, but that's probably about it. On the Minnesota side, um, it's just top liner bust. I, I think playing the Minnesota top line is a nice pivot to get away from all the other lines that might be higher owned here, like, you know, Buffalo, Edmonton, Toronto, those guys, um, going into washington's not really a great matchup for them. Um, Washington is only giving up 2.8 power plays per game. That's near the bottom of the or top of the league, depending how you want to look at it for fewest power plays given up Minnesota, their top lines really been struggling of late as well. 2.8 expected goals for 2.8 expected goals against since Christmas. That's not very good. Um, you know zuccarello does have 15 shots in his last five games though and and Kaprizov has 22 so they're generating offense they're just not generating a lot of quality washington's generally been good defensively this season penalty kills been you know acceptable to good most, you know especially over the last two months um it's the kuznets offline for me on the washington side if you want a filler type stack i do like minnesota one here as a pivot away with positive leverage um, from what should be higher on lines, um, especially where they're uh, coming in, you know, where, where they are cheaper, where they are only 19,000. They're not 20,500 or higher like the rest are. So I do like them as a pivot, but I'm going to be quite honest. I I, I think if I'm making my lineups, I just go find a few thousand dollars and play Buffalo or Winnipeg instead.
2: Yeah, I agree there. Let's move on to this game.
1: This slate.
2: Yeah, this slate, but this game. Woof. On the blue jackets with a 2.7 total heading into Nashville. The Predators have a 3.7 total. Both these teams also on a back-to-back. Daniil Tarasov and Kevin Lankinen are confirmed. Saw somewhere Cody Glass, Matthew Shane, Philip Forsberger together. And here's the issue here. They fit with all these expensive lines. So they're getting massive ownership over 20%, tw- like close to 23%. I know it's a great spot, but like chalk Nashville
1: Ugh. even higher on FanDuel.
2: Yeah, even higher on FanDuel. It's just like yeah, I like I guess in a nutshell they're fine and like obviously ownership reflects that because a lot of people are going to them. I just I just don't think I could get perded tonight. Like I like getting short. I don't like getting perded. And, like, if the Predators beat me tonight, so be it. If I'm playing one of those expensive lines in my one lineup, I will not have a a Predator skater. I might have Yossi, but I won't have Forsberg, Huchien, or Glass. That's the stand I'm taking on this slate. That being said, I think they are a very, very good play. I mean, jackets are abysmal. They're back-to-back on the road. Daniil Tarasov's in net. For whatever reason, they're going back to Jenner Robinson Nyquist, like you saw yesterday, by the second period, Jenner, Goudreau, Line were together. So who knows what they're going to do in game. Like, I kind of want to go to the Blue Jackets here, but like Kevin Lankinen has been pretty good this year as well. Like it's a pretty good power play spot there, but the Blue Jackets power play isn't very good. So I don't know. Like, I I feel like I'm going to be very under the field on this game.
1: Yeah, this is a feels bad, man, game because – I was actually looking forward to playing Godro Lionade Jenner. Um, and then of course, with Columbus on the back to back, we were just waiting for news on what could happen. And they told us Cole Cylinder back in the lineup. That gives them an extra center. So they're gonna move Kent Johnson to the wing. And because they're moving Kent Johnson to the wing, they're gonna put him on the second line uh with Godro uh in Nyquist and then leave Roslevic on the top line where he started the game yesterday. It's just really, really frustrating. <laughs> um I want to start quickly on the Nashville side. Like anybody that watched the show yesterday knows we talked about Duchesne and Forsberg, how good um, they have been together um, so far this season. I wrote up Duchesne, um in the picks article again, free to read over at stochastic.com Nashville generates 25% more expected goals when he's playing with Philip Forsberg than when he's not. It, that's what it boils down to is that they're the two best offensive players the team has, and they play much It's specifically on Duchesne's end. They play much better together than when they're apart. And Cody Glass has been kind of the unheralded star, not quite star, approaching star, of the Nashville Predators this year. Like his scoring chance contributions remain very strong, well above league average, which is not something a lot of these Nashville Predators forwards can say. It's not a bad line, but like you said, there's just a ton of ownership uh, coming in on them, 22.6%. But a 9.2% top stack percentage, it's the fifth highest on the slate behind the big four lines, right? So that's the problem here. It's like it's not just some throwaway line that you could use that basically doesn't have a, a huge chance of success. Like we'll talk about Seattle a little bit later. Like maybe like one – I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't use Seattle considering the way they're playing. But maybe one of the Detroit lines or something like that, even going into Arizona. But um, – there, there's just a really good line. I think if you do want to get different, I think one way you can do it is leave glass off because he is the cheap component there and he is the center. So if you go, if you just go do Shane and Forsberg, it's really tough to fit in like a dry sidle McDavid, you know, Hyman um, double center wing plus a winger stack or something like that. Right. You need Cody glass for the savings or else um, it's just an expensive two-man duo stack. So I think you'd take him off and then maybe add, you know, Yossi on the blue line or uh, Ekholm on the blue line for some power play exposure or something like that. Um, That's, you know, that's one way you can, you know, kind of negate a little bit of the ownership concern. But it is a really good spot. Columbus is just abysmal defensively. Um, What I will say is the top line with Rozovic there, not really that bad this season. They're up over 60 minutes together, 2.6 expected goals for, 2.6 against, outscoring the opposition by a 4-3 to margin. Like, that's actually good, especially for Columbus. So I think that's the reason I would stay away from Nashville, or two reasons. One, Columbus penalty kill is not that bad, or generally hasn't been this season. And two, I think the top line – um, Godreau and Rozovic together play a little bit better than people might realize. Rozovic and Line a is a different story, but uh, at least Godreau is there to help them out a little bit. That would be the reason to not play them. The other reason is uh, with uh, Jenner and Nyquist together, typically not elite defensively, but fine, 2.4 expected goals against together um, this season um, without Johnny Godrow on their line. Um, they're just giving up a lot of shot attempts. They're getting greatly outshot. Like the depth should be able to carry the play. So, you know, if you want to go to the Johansson line, go ahead, but they're going to probably come in, um, you know, with ownership somewhere in the teens because of how cheap they are. So I think if you want to play Nashville, you kind of have to figure out a way to get a little bit different, especially if you're in the larger contest, you do run the risk of being duplicated because, you know those builds lead you to the same type, same teams that other people will be using, but it is a pretty good spot for them on the Columbus side, like, especially where they're coming in over owned, which I find really just mind blowing for a Columbus team on the road being over owned. Like, I'm just going to pass. Like if you want to play Rosalind Klein and Godro, I, I think it's not bad, but they don't, because they don't fit with any of the expensive lines, it could lead to some unique builds. Nashville is really, really bad defensively. It has been the goaltending that has bailed them out. If Lankanen doesn't stand on his head, Columbus could easily pop a few here tonight. Um, I just think I would be more inclined just to like one-off go draw or one-off line A than I would be to stack the whole line.
2: Yeah. I I don't know how excited I am to play Columbus. I will say for the Nashville side, maybe a one-off Tanner's, you know, a little action there, 2,700. He shoots the puck, not getting too much ownership. We'll see. Uh, as we mentioned off the top, we are sponsored by PrizePix. Click the link in the description below to get one free month Stochastic Plus Platinum and up to $100 deposit match bonus when you sign up and make a deposit with PrizePix. Easy enough. It's a daily prop-based contest, no sharks, so Jake doesn't steal your money. No optimizers, so I don't have to deal with copy and pasting or mass entries. 5 prior lineups can net you up to 10x your entry fees, can use your knowledge of multiple sports with cross-sports entries, now uh I have a couple tonight if you are on prospects you'll know that they do a Taco Tuesday <sighs> it's Taco Monday prospects they do a Taco Tuesday special and they have one on Connor McDavid he they dropped their his shots on goal from four to two and a half so I would take advantage of that I think it's for another you know hour and 14 minutes I think they have it up there and also under the assist tab, I have um, Roman Yossi over 0.5 assists. So if you want to tail those picks, go and sign up for prize picks and click the link in the description below. Get your free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum and your $100 deposit match bonus. Let's move on to the next one. Buffalo, the Buffalo Sabres, have a 3.7 total heading into Chicago. The Blackhawks have a 2.8 total. Craig Anderson probable, Peter Mrazek confirmed. Buffalo played yesterday. They look meh against the Panthers. Now they get a very softer matchup we will go with. You have some concerns about the lines. I think this is a pretty good bounce back spot for Tate Thompson. I don't think he's scored in the last five games. One of the better power play spots on the night. Um, Alex Delac in concussion protocol. Peter Morazic has been awful. He gave up like seven goals on eight shots against the Kraken the last time out um assuming buffalo ones together they're not getting too much ownership and they have a very massive projection i like going back to them we'll just have to wait and see if they will be together suspicions for me are are they are but you just don't know
1: yeah this is my concern is this is a team that's ostensibly still in a playoff race um i think they're five points back right now and they still have games in hand so they could easily just you know, win a couple of games and be right neck and neck for a playoff spot. And they've lost four of their last five, including yesterday. Like you said, um the top line really hasn't been that great this month. You know, we're in week three of January. Eventually, the coach is going to press some panic buttons. That's just what coaches do. Now, as you said, Chicago feels like a really good get right spot for this line, right? Like if, if you want them to bounce back, Chicago's probably the place to do it. Um, but maybe, um, you know, after we, was it? Colorado lost to Chicago over the weekend in Chicago or before the week or last week? It was uh,
2: uh, Saturday. Yeah.
1: yeah. Maybe Buffalo saw that and was like, you know, we don't want that to happen. We're going to mix around our lines. We just don't know. I, I agree with you. I'm inclined to think that the top line stays together. Just make sure you pay attention to warmups because it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if we see Alex Tuck move down and Jack Quinn moved up or, or something like that, or Casey middlestat moved up or whatever. A big problem for Buffalo this month is just missing the net. Um, I was actually looking at their shot attempts and at shots on goal numbers. In the first 10 weeks of the season, the Buffalo top line landed 55% of their shot attempts on net, which means 55% of their shot attempts turned into shots on goal. In the month of January, it's 46%. Which means an extra one out of every ten shots is that they're taking is uh, either being blocked or missing the net. Those things tend to even out, and it is a small sample, but it is a concern right now because the shots that they're generating just aren't, um, you know, testing the goalie, um, which is part of the reason why they haven't been scoring a lot of late. But Chicago's just, you know, they're awful defensively. Um, they're at or near the bottom of the. They're at or near the bottom of the league in every defensive and goals against metric, both up 5 on 5 and on the penalty kill. Whether you want to look at the full season, or whether you just want to look at the last six weeks, just an abysmal defensive roster. So I'm, I'm with you. I think Buffalo is one of the lines um, that if you want to avoid Toronto's ownership that you should definitely pivot to. Um, even if they are broken up, there are um, expensive lines later this slate, um, Edmonton being one specifically. um I guess the only one um, that you can kind of, you know, mix and match. Um, if you do need to break up your Buffalo stack for some reason, I really do like the Buffalo top line here. Um, the Chicago's penalty kill is still just really, really bad. So uh, Buffalo top line, I'm a huge fan of them. I wrote up Victor Olsen in the picks article this morning. The middle stat Jost line is basically the team's second line now. Um, over their last, I think, seven games, they're all playing between 16 and 17 minutes per game. And that's without top power play time. Those three guys are getting the most ice time outside of their power play forwards. It's not Quinn. It's not Peturka. It's not Okposo. It's not those guys. It's Olufsen, Middlestad, and Jost. So I don't mind. I don't know if I would full stack Buffalo 2. Um, but a one-off, or I guess they're Buffalo 3 in the lineup builder or top stacks but a one-off Victor Olofsson I think makes some sense maybe a one-off Casey middlestats something like that I don't know if I would full stack they're coming in with too much ownership but I do think a, a one-off Victor Olofsson where he's playing 16 minutes a game and not 13 minutes a game um, in this matchup makes a lot of sense on the Chicago side I, I kind of wonder if these players get overlooked like they're not coming in with a ton of ownership they're coming in a little over but not heavily Chicago's top power play unit, I mentioned this in our Discord, has been only a little bit worse than the Florida top power play unit this year. Chicago's power play is actually pretty good. Um, It's the only thing that's good about their team besides Alex Stalock, who's not starting. Um, But it is pretty good. And the Buffalo penalty kill is pretty bad. So I don't mind, you know, one-off Taylor Radish. I think Patrick Kane's always available as a one-off. You want to do, like, a Kane-Domi a, a two-man or a Kane-Radish two-man or something like that. I don't mind stacking across even strength lines. I don't mind the power play guys for Chicago in this game.
2: Yeah, I mean, they have a 2.8 total. It's not like it's 2.3. They're not expecting anything to happen. It is Sabres back-to-back on the road, and Craig Anderson has an AARP card, so you just you never know what could happen there. I, I don't mind. Like, push comes to shove. Like, yeah, like, I like Nashville better, but, like, if I need savings – And lower ownership, I might just plug in like a Radish or a Taze over, you know, a Duchesne just because they're getting like way, way less ownership. Just food for thought. Let's move on to the next one. The Seattle Kraken with a 2.9 total heading into Edmonton. The Oilers have a 3.7 total. Jack Campbell is confirmed. And our pal Party Marty Jones is probable tonight. I just had to do that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, I have way too much free time on my hands. Edmonton going back to the top line of dry side old McDavid. Uh, Hyman, finally. They, they just run people over. It doesn't matter who they're facing. Seattle is a pretty good defensive team. They just have goaltending issues out the keister. So... You know, they're not getting a massive amount of ownership. The problem is they almost take up half your salary. It it is what you, you know, you're going to have to make that choice. Another wrinkle is Evander Kane is back tonight. I don't think he sees top PowerPoint time. But, you know, how like McDavid and Drysaddle see the full two minutes. You could see Kane jump on for a good bit there. Kind of what they do with like Bouchard and Barry. Uh, Barry sees like the first 30 to 45 seconds. And then Bouchard comes on Bouchard actually saw a little bit more power play one time than, um, listening to myself talk. That is just quite a mess. Uh, Bouchard saw a little bit more power play one time than Barry. Now they do go 11, seven. So they're, they only saw like 14 minutes apiece. So that is a problem. But like in a nutshell, I, I do really like that Edmonton top line on the flip side. That Gore, Tolvin, and Bjorkstrand line has been very good. They're going to avoid McDavid probably for the most part. They are cheap. Like, I'm not a huge fan of game stacking, but Jack Campbell and that Gore, Tolvin, and Bjorkstrand going to avoid McDavid. I, I think you, there's, like, a case to game stack here. But at least, like, using Tolvin and line as a filler, if, even if you aren't using the Oilers.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a case for game stacking this game. Uh even with eight games, I'm going to say that outright. I was looking at what, what they were doing with the power play when Kane got hurt. Like you're right, sometimes like they just switched off after 30 or 45 seconds, but what happened a lot was like Hyman would start the game and get the first power play, maybe the second one, and if Edmonton didn't score, that was the end of his power play exposure. They would go to Evander Kane, um and then Kane would get the next power play and the next power play. So like it might not end, they might not end up spl- splitting the same power plays, but they might end up splitting power play time, if that makes sense. So, um, it, it can make for some more interesting stacks, right? Because right now, Kane is still technically on the IR on DraftKings. Um, he's cheaper than Hyman, so you can save a little bit of money in that regard. But the problem is, is you're relying on him getting some power play time, and he's at least right now, he's not expected to line up with McDavid, Dryside or Hyman as they loaded it up the top line in, in practice yesterday. So, um, Kane might not get anybody to play with a five-on-five. Five. That kind of feels bad. But by the same token, this is one of the best power play spots on the slate, which says a lot for a slate that has Arizona, Chicago, and Montreal on it. Um, Seattle has a bot- bottom five penalty kill by shots against in the last 20 games, bottom five by goals against in the last 20 games. Second worst penalty kill percentage in the league only ahead of Vancouver. Um, Edmonton, obviously the best power play in the league. So I I get there are pricing concerns here. Um, You can't play everybody. I do think there's merit to playing Evander Kane instead of Zach Hyman. If you're worried about how they're going to split the power play time, don't play either of them and just play Ryan Nugent Hopkins instead. Um, There you go. Yeah, exactly. Now that makes it a triple center can kind of make the rest of your lineup a little tough, but he, Nugent Hopkins is cheaper than the rest and he will almost certainly play the full power play. Unlike Hyman and Kane. Um, it is, like I said, I think it's the best power play spot on the entire slate. I, it's going to be tough to ignore Edmonton in this one on the Seattle side. I think I'm with you on Gordon Tolvin and for the simple fact, they're just generating more. They're at 2.6 expected goals, whereas that Beneers line's at 2.2. The Beneers line in their last – in 120 minutes is at 5.3 actual goals, but it's because they're shooting over 19%. We just saw this with Montreal this season with Suzuki and Caulfield, right? Suzuki and Caulfield in their first 120 minutes shot almost 19% and since then have shot under 10%. Like Seattle's top line is just shooting way too hot for too many minutes. Um, so I'm out on veneers. I'm in, in more on Gord, Tolvanen, and Bjorkstrand. They're also running hot, but they're also um, at about 80-some minutes played together, like not as big of a sample. So maybe they can ride it out for a game or two more. Jack Campbell's not a bad matchup for them either. I like Bjorkstrand, Tolvanen, and Gord here coming in with a fair bit of ownership, but I do think they make um, uh, a reasonable filler. Um, but it's the Edmonton power play guys that I like the best, obviously. Yeah.
2: If you're interested in getting uh, a free trial for Stochastic NHL, then this ad is for you. Click the link in the description below, and you can get a five-day NHL risk-free trial, and you get access to everything NHL has to offer. Projections, ownership, top stacks, rankings. For me, the most important, Discord. The... I can't see the, the... I'm just melting right now my brain is just not working that is the lineup builder that is how we get through the shows that is you know it has everything it has the projections line projections power play spots uh ownership etc It's how i get through the show i use the lineup builder to make a lineup a lot because you can export them while we're here let's make a lineup what do you say
1: um here's something i was looking at quickly if we do decide to go edmonton triple center um, we need some wingers in there. Uh, I don't, I think Yorkshire and Tolvin and two man makes a lot of sense here. Let's game stack this. Yorkshire and Tolvin and two man. Um, we'll add Vinny Dunn on the blue line. So that gets us our power play exposure against a pretty bad penalty kill. Who are we going to put in net? Ugh. I don't know. I'm just gonna go Sam Montembeau just because he's at home and he's super cheap, seven thousand. He's been playing
2: well. He's been playing well. So what we what do we got left here?
1: We've got thirty eight fifty for one D and one winger. So on average. So Um, I'm gonna put in Yam Cork from the Flyers. He's been playing twenty one minutes a game fairly regularly. Gets good power play time uh, for the Flyers. Thirty six
2: hundred. Yep.
1: Okay, now we need a one-off winger, uh, forty-one hundred or under. Um, Can't do anything in that in that Florida-Toronto game. Montreal-Winnipeg. We -hmm. can put Cole Perfetti if you want.
2: Yeah, Connor Sheary's there. Um,
1: Sheary's an option. Uh, Let's see what else. Let's just. uh, I'm just gonna go with one of my personal favorites. I'm gonna go with Ryan Hartman. Yeah, that's fine. There there we go. So we have the Edmonton triple center stack, a game stacked with Bjorkstrand Tolvanen and Vince Dunn. Uh, Sam Montembeau is in net. Cam York, one-off defenseman. Ryan Hartman, one-off winger. You see the projection, 88.3, 88.4. Not really super high. Um, Probably would want to fix that a little bit, but it just goes to show how you can quickly make a lineup um, using the lineup builder. And it shows you, like I said, like you said, everything you need, your salary, ownership, projection, stack, projection all that good stuff so line of builder very
2: helpful a triple Edmonton center stack will be very unique tonight so just keep that in mind let's get to the last game of the night here barn burner in front of 12 people Detroit Red Wings with a 3.1 total heading into Arizona the Coyotes have a 2.9 total Magnus Helberg and Connor Ingram are confirmed sure um Not too much ownership on the uh, Arizona top line here. Not the worst of spots. Not the best of spots. But Magnus Helberg and net Wings. God knows what they're going to do with their lines. I don't mind the wings either. Like, this is a good power play spot. You just don't, like... I just don't like how there's only, you know, you get two guys on the top power play on one line. You'd have to go across lines. I guess you could do...
1: Tyler Bertuzzi got moved up um in that game yesterday. Um I assume he's gonna stay on the top line with you Larkin just, and Raymond. We
2: just, don't, we just won't
1: know until eight thirty, right? I
2: guess you could just go Larkin Raymond Bertuzzi. They're not very expensive, and you're gonna get a very good power play spot. And it's not Vamelka net. Another problem is if you're expecting Cedar to be PowerPoint one, it's going to be heroic and vice
1: versa. Here's what you can do. You just roster Arizona one Schmaltz, Keller, Hayden. I think they're 14-4. And if Bertuzzi is on the top line with Larkin, that's a $14,000 line. You can just straight swap over.
2: There you go. Cliffy with the mega mind while I'm, you know, tripping over myself. So I'll just kick it to you. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I'll just cover Arizona real quick. We are running out of time. Schmaltz, Keller, and Hayden by our projections, have a projection of 27.9 points tonight, higher than any line in Seattle, higher than any line in Chicago, higher than any line in Nashville. Sec, It would be just behind the Alex Ovechkin line from Washington, higher than any line we have. Oh, sorry. Higher than two of the three lines from the Flyers. Like they're getting a reasonable projection for their price and they're not coming in with that much ownership. Um, top stacks tool has the Arizona top line coming in between five and six percent, three to four percent top two stack. A little bit of negative leverage, but it's not that bad. Baird Hayton's played pretty well alongside Clayton Keller. That's the one thing that I wrote about in that Pix article because I actually wrote about um, the Arizona top line. Um, over the last three seasons with Keller, Schmaltz and Hayton together, 2.7 expected goals, 3.2 actual goals, 51 percent of the expected goal share. Like, those aren't great numbers, but they're good numbers, and they're effing unbelievable considering it's the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> They've been really good. There's no matchup concern that bothers me on the Detroit side, um, especially with Billy Huso unlikely to start. I imagine it's going to be Hellberg and net.
2: Hellberg's confirmed, you know? so yeah.
1: Okay, well, there you go. So, <laughs> um, it, you know, Detroit's penalty kill has been pretty bad in their own right. I do like the Arizona top line here. I, you know, if you don't want a full stack them, I think Keller's a one-off makes sense or is a one-off makes sense. Um, but I do like Arizona one in this matchup. The Detroit side, you know, Detroit's in a really good power play matchup. Petruzzi, Larkin, and Raymond are together. Um, you know, Arizona's the most penalized team in the league. They're bottom six in the last 20 games by, you know, all defensive metrics on the penalty kill. I think it's a pretty good spot for that um, Red Wings top line, assuming they're together. But like I said, the nice thing is, as long as you leave – you can even just roster Detroit, just leave $400 on the table. Um, if Bertuzzi's on a different line, then you can swap over to Arizona. I, I think there's going to there's some solid late swapping options uh, with this game coming at 9 o'clock Eastern.
2: For sure, for sure. So that is the eight-game slate. So hopefully we helped you out a little bit there. Uh, this one's a pretty tough one to navigate, if I may say so myself. Coming up after us – we have the NBA deeper dive at five 30 with Josh and Adam, not me, Josh Engelman. We get confused. He has longer hair. I'm better looking. NBA. Then we have NBA live for lock at six 30 with Greg and Eric. Let's talk a little defenseman on this slate. I feel like punk defenseman might be a little bit of a priority with all these expensive spots. I guess like mid range. I'll just start Jake Wallman. Uh, we always love Jake Wallman here. Some of these punt defensemen, like Brendan Dillon, I think is still fine at 2,900. Uh, Jonathan Kovacevic is min price. Now, if if uh, Montreal does go 11-7, that might change things. But if they go 12-6, he has been playing a good amount of minutes. Cliff, you mentioned Cam York. I almost said Yam, like I, I'm Yam corked here. Uh, Nick, Nick Sealer, not too bad. You're Min Price. That's just, like, beggars can't be choosers there. Don't mind Nick Jensen or Martin Fariveri. Anyone else you like? liking as these punt guys?
1: Yeah, Andrew Peake, obviously, for Columbus, um, 20-plus minutes shot blocker. I like Jake McCabe. He's a little bit more expensive for Chicago, but um, he's a big shot blocker that could get that bonus here tonight. Also, Owen Power. He's been averaging 24 minutes a game, I think, over his last five games. Pretty good matchup. Uh, for Buffalo tonight, obviously. So don't mind Owen Power. Uh, paying up a little bit, Bear, Riley, in Nurse is kind of like my holy triumvirate of the middle middle of the pack, guys. Uh, especially, I think it's a pretty good power play spot for Arizona, and that's getting a little overlooked. For the expensive guys, Tony D, I think, is fine because it is Anaheim. Um, I think I'd rather just pay down for Yam Cork, and if I want to pay up, go to one of Dallin or Yossi. Yeah.
2: $2 super chat from James. Thank you very much. Cliffy, want to send me a head-to-head on DK, putting Cliffy right on the spot here.
1: Yeah, no, I I don't really want to. I appreciate the two dollars super chat, but I I don't remember the last time I played cash games. I think I played one or two nights last season, but that was it. I just don't play cash games that much
2: or ever. I don't much anymore either. Occasionally, I will. Who are you liking in net tonight? This is a lot of back-to-backs here.
1: Yeah, Stolars sixty-seven hundred for Anaheim. Um, Philly's not that good of a team. Stolarz, he's been fine this season. He's had – Anaheim just allows too many shots for him to consistently put up bad DK performances. Um, Charlie Lindgren at home for Washington, I don't mind him either for a reasonable price. The guy I'm kind of leaning towards is honestly Tarasov for Columbus. He's been miles better than Lickens has this season. And if Nashville is going to be in like four out of every ten lineups on this slate – I don't mind getting to some 1% to 2% Terrace off here for tournaments.
2: Yeah, and I think the spend-up option is fairly obvious tonight in Connor Hellebuck. Also, don't mind Philip Gustafsson at 7,800. Who are you liking for your hat-trick pick tonight?
1: Not spicy, but definitely from a bad team. We're going with Mr. Clayton Keller.
2: I want to keep up my spice lord title here. I just don't know if I can do it tonight. I can't. I, I can't. I'm going Nikolai Ehlers. <laughs> I'll be back yeah, spicy. Okay. Nikolai. Yeah, here.
1: that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine.
2: I was going to say like Dylan Genther, and then I was just going to like, just uh, that's just not even possible.
1: I, I might have handed in my resignation. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Nikolai. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Nikolai <laughs> <Healers>. <laughs> Nikolai Ehlers and uh I already forgot yours because Clayton Keller. Clayton Keller. Clayton Keller. Now uh so yeah. Good luck tonight, everybody. I think we'll be back on Thursday. I haven't peeped the schedule tomorrow, but I would imagine it's a shorter slate. So good luck, everybody. See you in Discord, see you on Twitter. We'll see you on Thursday.
1: Good luck, everyone.